Welcome to the world's fastest growing podcast that interviews random Todds and asks them unpredictable questions in a series of wacky segments. Here at the Toddcast, we believe every Todd has a story and we want to hear it. So today on the podcast, we have intuitive advisor, Todd Grosby. You can find him on the gram at Todd Grosby. Hey, Todd, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Uh, we're doing well, doing well. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for joining the show. And did we say your last name right? Yeah, you got it perfect. You guys are the first ones to ever get it correct. Congratulations. Oh, my goodness. I've been oh. practicing all day long, so... <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So we'll roll straight into Once Upon a Todd. All right. So this segment's all about who are you, Todd? What do you want the listeners to know about you? We'll give you a little bit of free reign here and just let you kind of talk about who you are and what you do. All right. Sure. Well, my name is uh, Todd, and that's how you guys probably found me on the Toddcast. Um, <laughs> so. I offer my services as an intuitive reader, and I call myself an intuitive advisor because I don't want to call myself a psychic. Essentially, I do the work that a psychic does, but I'm not a fortune teller. Uh, I probably struggle with years with being uh, associated with this only because there's such a stigma attached to it. This is the later incarnation of my life. I was a realtor. I've been in online, in online advertising. I've had a number of different careers. I'm the father of three children. I'm divorced nice. twice. So I've had a lot of life experience. Took care of my mother who had Parkinson's for two years, which didn't help the marriage, but it helped my mother. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of challenges that I undertook. And uh, when I was younger, I always noticed it was something different, that people would always come up to me and talk to me about uh, their personal problems, even at a young age. And I thought it was a very unusual thing. At the time, I didn't think it was unusual. As I got older, I realized that's an unusual thing. And I ended up um, along the way, I was interested in things metaphysical and came across, um, I guess, like I remember it was in uh, uh, Los Angeles uh, on the uh, Venice Beach. They have the beach psychics or whatever. So I've gone to them. I was always very curious to it. And then living in San Francisco where I met my previous ex-wife, uh, there was a fair, like a psychic fair going on there. And it was a school of kids that taught you how to do it. I mean, the kids didn't teach it, but there was kids, there were students there. And I was amazed with the level of accuracy, accuracy that they had. They must have either hidden cameras all over the city. And so I ended up taking their program. It was a two-year program. And that I never thought a, a psychic school actually existed. So I was a bit overwhelmed. I'm a bit of a skeptic at heart. So it was hard for me to sort of balance this out. And so I took their class and this was about, I don't know, 15 years ago. And it just clicked with me. It was something I really enjoyed doing. And it's probably more like I call myself an intuitive advisor, A, because I'm interested in financial advising, but I'm not a financial advisor, but I'm all really interested in helping people and helping other people. So what I do with it is slightly different than what other people do with it in the sense that I'm really trying to get people to understand themselves better and empower them to make better decisions for themselves. Maybe it's offering them uh, an awareness from a different point of view, but it's not really... Um, Although it is metaphysical, and I'm not going to lie to you, it is really weird. I mean, I had a reading yesterday where this woman asked me a health question, which is something I don't typically do. Um, right. 
for your viewers out there, you know, if you have an injury, you probably don't want to go to a psychic if you think you have heart disease, <laughs> right? You might want to go to the doctor. You know, that's just, just my advice, right? And so this person asked me the question, and I, you know, I told her, look, this is not something that I really do. Again, my interest is really helping either validate people, support them, what's going on in their life, and the decisions that they're making. And so she asked me, so I said, I give it a shot. So, you know, part of what I do is I kind of close my eyes to tap into it. And, you know, I found, I just had a sense there's something wrong with her hip and her leg, which was, yeah, I got sciatica. And so I, even when I do this, it's a weird sort of thing. And the weird part about it was something that I struggled with because I really, I, I had a tough time identifying myself with being a quote psychic because it forced me to either think that people was either going to think I'm uh, uh, full of it, right? Hey, you're full of it. That right. exists. Uh, and then you'd be perceived as being a fraud or they'd be afraid of you because they think you're reading your mind all the time, right? And so there wasn't a whole lot of wiggle room in there because it is an unusual field that's riddled with a lot of people that are somewhat questionable. And, you know, a lot of the practices that people do with it, let's be honest, it's a little strange. Now, it's been around forever, and it's had this misnomer to it. The reason why I chose that name intuitive advisor is I'm really just giving people advice. You know, that's it. Mm. People come and sit down. It's, it's, it's different. But I've always had a, a penchant towards psychology, so I'm a student of that. But ultimately, it's just helping people out. I could argue that intuition you can see everywhere. You know, I'm a big fan of sports. I played basketball for years. And there's certain players you can see that just kind of know where the ball is going to go. It's not always yes. a sense of like, hey, because I've yeah. seen a thousand games, I've played a thousand games. Sometimes intuitively, you just get a hunch and you go. I mean, uh, Jeff Bezos, right, the richest man in the world, said a lot of yeah. decisions he makes at Amazon uh, business-wise are based on intuitions and hunches, right? And yeah. you, you can see with Amazon Web Services, it paid off really well, that hunch, right? So yes. some of these things defy <laughs> explanation and rather they get stuck on it. And it took me a long time to be comfortable with it, to say, hey, this is what I'm doing. But now that I've done it, it's been great. I, I've gone online, obviously, because of the pandemic and because I have a previous experience in online uh, online advertising and whatnot. Uh, and it's yeah. been a great experience. So uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that you want, because I'll talk a lot. You pick the right person to put on the time. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. That's what I do. I talk. So it's like uh, trying to think of anything else. So I, right now I offer my services up in readings. They're basically 15 minutes or a half hour, uh, mostly online now. And um, people come in and the way the actual process works is I close my eyes. And I do this because I used to be in sales. And even with, you know, webcam, uh, you can pick up on things what people do. Like I'm a student of all of this. There's something called cold reading. That's what uh, someone's going to hustle you. Uh, salespeople are great at it. You know, you can read a lot about a person based upon their behavior, based upon how they respond to certain open-ended questions that you ask them. You can get right. a lot of information. You could make somebody think that, oh my gosh, this guy's uh, psychic, right? How did he know all this stuff? But a lot of that's just an inference based on human behavior. And so I keep my eyes closed when I do it. I have the person tell me their name a couple of times, and then I just get these impressions. Sometimes they're a vision. I'll be honest with you. The school I went to was about clairvoyance and I can't see anything. I've never been able to see anything. So when I first started, I'd get headaches with it, right? Yeah. So there's a workaround. Hey, I don't see it, but I know it's there. And so it's really that expression that came off the top of your head. And that's kind of what happened. And so when they tell me their name and then I just start talking like I'm talking now. I just ramble it, spit off. And it, it tends to be something that sometimes makes more sense to them than me. And so it's an unusual thing, but at the end of the day, it's really getting good advice from somebody. That's it. 
I offer them insight to things that mostly they know about and they're aware of, and it, and it makes a huge impact on them. And for me, I'm not doing this to get rich. I'm doing it because I enjoy doing it. Um, and so again, the readings are 15 minutes or 30 minutes, and I'm getting ready to launch classes where I teach people how to use these tools to not necessarily do what I'm doing, but just to tap into their intuition better and be able to be uh, just more aware. You could argue that this is really a product of awareness. The more aware you are, there's subtle levels of awareness that people uh, express that you can pick up on. And ultimately, if you can use it to know yourself better, that's where it becomes invaluable. Then you can learn to, to navigate boundaries. I mean, we live in an insane world right now where, where you know, there's a large demand for what I'm offering. And so because I think mm-hmm. people forced to spend their time at home, that's a bit problematic because most people like, you know, a lot of people like to be busy all the time. So yes. it does offer an opportunity for introspection to get to know yourself better. At the end of the day, the more you know yourself and the more aware you are of yourself, then the better off you're going to be no matter what it is that you're doing. And like I said, I've taken all these other experiences that I've had, you know, raising three daughters. I was the youngest of three boys. Raising three daughters, totally different than being the youngest. Of three <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of learning moments. And, and like I've been inundated with females growing up with all boys. You know, I had my ex-wife and then my ex-mother-in-law that was living with us. And then three female goats and then one female cat and one male cat. And his name is Poof. Go figure, right? True. <laughs> <laughs> on the name, but yeah, Poof would be upset with me. So it was tough to bond. I'm bonding with the cat surrounded by females, right? So right, yeah. you learn a lot from it. You're either going to go crazy, I'm going to go off the rails and start doing heroin or something, or you're going to manage yeah. it and figure it out. And so part of it is that females have a greater permission to experience a wider scope of emotions where mm-hmm. that's beneficial for me to learn. And I think they tend to be a little bit more intuitive and have a little bit more permission to do it. Where for me, I kind of grew up back east and, and, and partially in New York, and it's like it's not something that's perceived as a macho male guy thing to, to do. Especially I'm 51. Sure. My generation is definitely like the guys I grew up with. You know, they're all kind of busting your chops and the whole thing. Yes. And it's like, you know, so that's why it took me a while to play out. The other day I had these two friends from high school reach out to me and I ended up doing readings for them. And it was like the last thing in the world I ever expected to do, you know. And so it was a validating experience. Hey, it was helpful to them yeah. because they're friends that I really care about. And it was just the magic sort of thing. So I'm trying yeah. to think, uh, do you have more time? Is there anything else I need to say? I mean, that's what my career oh, you're is. Good. I mean, I mean, you can keep going. That It's it's truly fascinating because I have, I have little to no knowledge about this, Same. this whole yeah. world. Okay. And it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's cool to learn about it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things. I was always interested in it when I was younger. I always had weird things sort of happen to me that I, I didn't really know, you know, what was that all about? And like I said, I've gone and heard, I had really crazy events happen to me as well. It was like, I was married, as I mentioned once before, when I was much younger, uh, I was 25. Uh, she was seven. It was really awkward. I had to get her parents permission and sign. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, no so i i uh she was young she was 19 i was 23 and you know i had a lot of unexplainable things happen with her that was just mind-blowing like like her father unfortunately he was a heavy drinker and i remember one point in time we're hanging out and this was before i was really uh familiar that maybe I had this skill set or this awareness. And I remember one time we're hanging out at the house there and he had been drinking and, and uh, he grabbed my arm and her arm and he started saying, Hey, I know you guys from the other world and started rambling this stuff. And my ex-wife was like, Oh my God, my dad's never done anything like that. And what he said sort of rang true it was weird. It's one of those things where you feel like, Oh, it's a weird connection there. So 
I've always been really interested in like, hey, there's more than meets the eye. But then there's always the aspect of it because, like I said, I kind of walk in both worlds with it because I'm highly skeptical. I spent years studying uh, James Randi, who's a former magician who spent his whole career dedicated towards disproving psychic abilities. He even set up a foundation to give anyone a million dollars to prove that this phenomenon exists. And so, you know, not that I would ever want to take that on because my framework for it is a lot different. The point, again, the, the value proposition that I offer for people is helping them connect the dot, giving them good advice. It's not for me to tell. If I could tell them where uh, grandma uh, buried all the coffee jars with the money in it, you know, then I would be, I would be on the Robin Hood traders on TikTok giving everyone stock advice, right? But that's not exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? So that's not the point for me, at least. I know other people are doing it and I'm in a position financially where I don't have to do it to it's a hard career to do just the readings to make money and I have friends that have done it and in many ways that's magic in its own right because you're recreating your business all the time part of it too for those that have done it for a while is it's like a repeat customer thing as I mentioned I first did it about gosh uh professionally 10 years ago and did it for like two years and then stopped doing it completely because I had to take care of life family and a lot of stuff for that time period and um I never really wanted anyone to come back to me because the idea is I want to hit the ball out of the park. You have your core issue that's bothering you or whatever. I want to have that one meeting and think like, holy shit, that was great. And now you can move on with your life. I don't want someone coming back to me the next week after saying, hey, well, so what do you got for me this week? Either there's a codependency there, right? Mm -hmm. So I lived in New York and there was a – I was in – Bedford-Stuyvesant area, Bedford-Stuyvesant High School. My father grew up in there, so I remember he told me. And I remember when I was there, there was 19 at the time, and there was this Madame Louisa, and people would not make a move without talking to Madame Louisa. There was like a nine-month waiting list. And when I was 19, I thought, oh, that's the gig that I want. I want to sit up on the hill there, right? And people just waiting to see me, offering, like, here's here's my money and here's some flowers, you know what I mean? To just right. throw the wisdom on them. But the notion yeah. there was that, you're not going to make a move without talking her to her, right? That's like when I say I don't do fortune telling. The idea of fortune telling and telling somebody what can happen next is questionable. Hey, does that even exist? For arguments, say let's say it does exist, and you tell somebody what's going to happen next. Here's the problem. That takes away their free will, right? Because then they're going to say, well, the psychic told me that's what's going to happen. And yes. so whether it happens or not, guess what, guess what goes on? You're going to go back and see the person because it's a codependent type relationship. I can already feel the other psychic saying, all right, you can cut this part out now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, stop. Our, our gig is up. So, you know, for me, it's really like, hey, does that exist? I think maybe it does. Mm-hmm. I think maybe there's something to the whole quantum sort of uh, quantum mechanics thing. When you observe the, you, the observer of the experiment affects the outcome. Maybe there's things going on that we're not quite aware of exactly. At the end of the day, we're left with the present moment. We're left with the decisions that we have to deal with right now and how we feel about ourselves. And that, to me, is the anchor point of the only thing that really matters. Whether or not you can predict what's going on in the future really isn't relevant because most people are asking that question because they can't deal with what's going on right now, right? And everyone wants yeah. to know, hey, when is my suffering and my misery going to end? People don't go see psychics or people like me because things are rolling, right? You know, they're yes. not going to great. Hey, what's happening? Uh, you know? Yeah. Do you recommend that they do? What's that? Do you recommend that they do like kind of as like a little like checkup or like an insurance well, you know, reminder? So, like when I mentioned before, I didn't like repeat customers. I don't want yeah. people coming back that are not willing to do the work. 
I'm, I'm interested mm-hmm. in people wanting to help themselves, right? If somebody comes yeah. to me because they're having the relationship problems are always big, and if I could offer insight into themselves and they're able to operate, that's great. But if they're coming back a month later with the exact same problem, I really don't have any interest in that whatsoever because really they're looking, they're using me as a surrogate for their own. You know, people can talk through you, right? A bartender yes. has to deal with that all the time, right? You're 10 in bar, oh, yeah. complaining, and you know what I mean? And so- yep. Rather than that, it's like, hey, if you look at this differently, you want to be able to offer inspiration to somebody who's willing to make changes in their life. And again, there's mm-hmm. other people I'm sure can help out those other people because sometimes there is a handholding aspect, right? That's yeah. like the idea of buying a prostitute to talk to her. Hey, I don't want to have sex. I just want to chat. <laughs> Keep her out. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> so, you know, part of it has to do with like, I don't know, it has to do with an openness to it and the idea of being willing to reach out to get help from someone. Um, anything else. Uh, the first job I ever had was with the Denver Nuggets, which was really cool. Big sports fan. Oh, I was a oh nice. Wow. That's pretty sweet. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes, you know, like I said, I'm 51. You got a lot of regrets. My, my biggest regret is really unusual. It's not surprisingly the failed marriages. You get a lot out of that. The same person. Now I know I heard you got a fiance. I don't want to, I don't want to taint anything <laughs> whatsoever. I said, it, <laughs> even though my marriages didn't work out, I never would have done anything differently. I never would have yeah. done anything. Even though the first time I was really young and I felt like I was, <laughs> when I saw her coming up the aisle, I knew I was making a mistake, but I felt like I had to do it anyways, right? So, you know, yeah, I was yeah. Yeah. Time. second time around, I have three beautiful daughters. Even though it didn't work right. out, I have nothing but admiration and respect for my ex-wife. I want her to be successful. The whole idea yeah. is we go through that, that challenge and maybe sometimes it's not meant to mentally last forever but you can't look at her as the source of your problems you, you were with that person for a period of time and you learn something after you've unraveled the experience about yourself because it's really when you're in it it's tough to see it but you get a lot out of it so i'm not sour on it uh will i get married again uh, i don't know statistically <laughs> <laughs> maybe we <laughs> determined for sure um yeah so anyhow, the, the, the Denver Nugget thing was the first job that I ever had. Back to the regret. The regret was the fact that I was a ball boy. This was 1986, 87. Uh, and um, at that point in time, I worked both home and visiting teams. And this was like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. I'm in the like room with Michael right. Jordan, right? And so only once did I ever ask for a player for their shoes. Because typically the way it worked, at least back then, is they all get shoe contracts. They get as many pairs of shoes as they want. And if the team was playing uh, a home game the next game, they could give their, their shoes away. The high school that I went to that I played basketball at, our colors were uh, they were like Christmas colors. They were like green and green and red. And so the Celtics, this was just when they first started to color the the, you know, the kicks. You know what I mean? And so yeah. uh, Dennis Johnson, uh, uh, Larry Bird in there. So I asked Dennis Johnson for his shoes because his foot was the closest to my foot because these guys were all huge, right? And so they were green uh, Nike. I forget what they were, Air Force Ones or probably something like that. And so I asked yeah. him for the shoes. He autographed them. Like an idiot, what I did, I wore them, right? I wore them in game, ah. court, you know, not having any idea God. what the future held, right? <laughs> and so here I am wearing these shoes that he signed, and I probably wore them for two seasons and then kept them with me, and I moved around a lot in, like, this backpack, and, like, um, they were trashed, right? And so I, I, I finally looked at them through all these moves I did, and last year I ended up selling them on eBay, and – Mind you, I mean, Dennis Johnson passed away, so maybe that added the value a little bit. Yes. But mm-hmm. the signature was still there a little bit, but the shoes were in terrible condition. I mean, I wore them, and they still sold for $750. And I'm like, oh, man. Wow. 
I, I got to tell you, like this kid that I work with, we had the all-star game there. It was 87 or 86, I want to say. I mean, Dr. J's shoes he got. He's retired on the shoes that he got from that game. Oof. First, Jordan's wow. rookie year, our trainer got his shoes. And I remember at the time, somebody offered him a 1000 bucks on the spot for oh. it. So that's the regret. The regret that is I did that job at the time for no pay, right? And I didn't yeah. have a whole – I mean, I could have had like like a bench warmer's shoes and they would be worth money at this point in time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you so, should have just been snag, snagging shoes left and right. It would have been crazy. But it was a phenomenal <laughs> experience. It was really cool. I mean, it was really no, – this was before it was quite as big. And it was kind of like the glory time in terms of the personalities involved. And so there wasn't a whole lot. It's not like there was like a coach and an assistant coach, and that's it. And then, like, you know, I'm the ball boy I set behind the bench. And so it was really cool. You get to see insight, you know, and some great teams, the Celtics and the, and the Lakers. I mean, so it was really a phenomenal experience. Wow. Hate the no, Celtics, bro. Hate the Celtics. <laughs> I mean, oh, my God. Because, because if we would have beat the Celtics, I would have had an opportunity to travel with the team because Denver was really wow. good back then. And if they had beat the Lakers, I would have gone with them uh, to play Boston. But, of course, no one was beating the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Anyhow, back then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially back then, but that was a that was a really cool experience. I mean, I was a junior, junior and senior in high school. That's 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 an awesome experience to have that, really cool. that early in your life as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. I think uh, after that, I, w- I lived with a self-made millionaire in Manhattan, which was also a really cool experience. And the interesting thing about it was, this was right out of high school. Uh, my father told me this is a business partner of his. He's got his own mansion in, in Bronxville, New York. He's got his own business. You'd, in, you'd live with him and take the limousine into Manhattan every day. When we first told me, I said, no, I don't want to do it. It's like, you don't want to live in New York with a self-made yeah. millionaire and go on a limo into Manhattan every day? And I said, you know what? I think I do want to do it. <laughs> I just want to yes. <laughs> I changed my mind. And he was a very generous person. And it was another phenomenal experience. Uh, I don't know how tangible it was to live like the lifestyle of rich and famous with like, you know, uh, you know, and the intern salary or whatever, but it was a phenomenal yes. experience and they were very kind people. So that was, that was really cool too. Uh, and nice. then like I said, the last 10 years was domestic. I took care of my mom who had Parkinson's. I was caregiver her for three years. That's something else that you don't know about until it happens. Right. You got your yeah. parents. I didn't really experience much death in my life or tragedy. I was very fortunate. My parents were great people. And then, you know, uh, my father passed. So I took care of my mother. And then, you know, uh, Parkinson's is tough. It's a tough illness. And so to caregive for your parent is a transition from being the child to the parent. You become the parent. And it's pretty crazy. Yes. I enjoyed doing it. It was great to give back, but it was really hard, especially considering the marriage wasn't working. I got three young daughters. I got the goats crying for hay. It was a nightmare. You know what I mean? So, it, you know, it's a lot of pressure. But, you know, it worked out really well, and I got a lot out of the experience. I didn't go off the rails, and, you know, I feel very fortunate for it. Yeah. I think that's it. I can't think of anything else. Oh, that was Is there more? Like, I'd be impressed if, you, if there's more. That That's 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 crazy. That's uh, right. So is, is basketball, is that your sport? Are you you're you a fan basketball. of all sports? Well, I love basketball. Uh, I played uh, the claim to fame, of course, with the Nugget thing was phenomenal. But then I, yeah. I played high school, did not play in college, went a different direction in college. And then mm-hmm. um, uh, my kids who went to Waldorf school, which is a different type of okay. I got the opportunity to, they asked me to coach basketball. I had never even crossed my mind. I'd been playing rec league basketball, which was the claim to fame because we won three championships. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I had the rubber. No big deal. 
practical buddies, right? And so <laughs> then they offered the uh, coaching position to me. At the, and this is middle school. This is sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, the girls. Yeah. And so I ended up doing that for like seven years, and it was unbelievable. It was a great experience. Well, because I'm very competitive. And so this whole idea of like, – well, if, if girls games, I mean, it's just totally different. I figured I had daughters. Maybe they would play. None of them have ended up playing, of course. And, I, you know, I would like, – um, trying to balance it out so like you don't have to play i know i'm the coach i'm a big fan of like hey letting them create their own future just because i'm the coach doesn't mean you have to coach you know what i mean or have to play or whatever and so um we had one game where the final score was like six to seven now mind you i've seen a lot of phenomenal games in person on television college etc but this was like the best game i'd ever seen i'd never seen anything like it. it was like watching a hockey match and i was coaching it because what girls do is they naturally work really well together. Guys will play uh, pickup ball and they'll play all the time. At a girl's yes. practice, you got to get them to start playing. They're just chatting in their circle, but they collaborate, collaborate a lot more. I mean, at the end of the game, with the guy I know, dude, I almost had a triple-double. Like, no, you didn't. You weren't even close. Whereas girls, they never ask for the scorecard at the end of the game. Yeah. There's, like, there's, like, there's, no, there's no thought to it. So it's such a different mindset. And so like this game – their, and their defense was amazing, just scrambling all over the place. And the final score, like we won seven to six, and it's like it felt like a playoff game. It felt like game seven, you know? That's insane. Seven to six in basketball. Yeah, because we won two championships, too. It was also incredible there, too. And two of the girls had won two of them. I told you, I said, look, you're going to think I'm silly. You think this is middle school. But winning a championship at any level, at anything, is a hard thing to do. Uh, you, yes. you, you're not going to hear me, but you're going to remember this because the rest of your life is going to be miserable. I know this because I'm psychic. No, I'm just kidding. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Rodney, right? Uh, so, no, it was like it's just an incredible experience. And even at that level, it was an incredible experience. Of course, it always made me wonder, like, yeah. hey, I wish I like degree to go on and coach at different levels because it was so entertaining but you know at that level is a little different because for them especially at that school a lot of them that's their only group sports experience they're ever going to have and you had like two kids that play and the rest of them have no idea what they're doing so it's this marriage between them for this one yeah. encapsulated experience that they have there with really none of them continuing on with it you know, so I was yeah. really fortunate to be able to do that. And then cross country, I started co- coaching cross country there. Oh, very nice. Oh, wow. And that's about it. I had to retire from basketball. My I partially torn ACL. And I thought retiring was a good idea to start running ultra marathons, which was not a good idea. Oh, yeah. Sure. I was pretty much brought back down to earth with that, that, that not going to happen. Yeah. Is there, is there a sport you would oh. not coach? Um, I would feel more comfortable to coach what I know. So like cross country, I know, I I feel like I could help. I would be an assistant coach to whatever sport. I don't care. I don't know volleyball. I don't know a lot of other sports and how to coach it, but I would feel really comfortable assisting because a lot of it is similar to the reading thing that I do. It's sort of like getting people to believe in themselves, hyping them up, not really necessarily a motivational speaker, but really kind of connecting. Yeah. I, I can tell you, I mean, as a father of three daughters and coaching all these kids, um, the number one thing I think you can offer is really just caring. It seems unusual, but if you actually care and give a shit about what the kids and what they're doing and where they're, yeah. at, where they're at in their development, that, that's huge because most people are too busy and they don't care. And yes. in many ways, you hate to look at it this way, but for some people that could be a strategy. Hey, how do you want to be successful mm-hmm. at something? Well, find a way to convince yourself to care about it. 
right? Because if you care about it, then you're going to be more emotionally invested in it. And then magic might happen. Then you might buy into it because the whole fake it till you make it uh, can work. You know, if you can be passionate about it and really care Mm -hmm. what the outcome is for these other people, when you connect to them, that's a huge experience. So I don't know what other, you know, Maybe competitive video game playing. I've always been a video game player. I could like sports. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Respect. Right. All right. So I think it's time to roll into the next segment. It's time to prod Todd. Should I be worried? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, an intimidating uh, segment name. I know that. <laughs> So in this segment, um, it's basically, it's a series of random questions. They come out of left cool. field. They may sound a little wacky, but it's no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> All right. So rolling into the first one, pineapple on pizza. Pineapple on pizza is cool. Is that nice. what you asked me or was it pineapple or pizza? Pineapple on pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I want to ask pineapple or pizza. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which one would you rather have? Uh, I'd rather have pizza. Yeah, same. Makes sense. Good, good, call. Yeah. good call. All right. Do you have any secret talents? Uh, oh, gosh. Other than mind reading? Um, let me- <laughs> Not <laughs> so secret anymore. Not really a secret. <laughs> uh, secret talents? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, I should have a secret talent. Well, I'll have to develop one now. I've been inspired to develop yes. a secret talent. Right. It's just it's so secret. You don't even know it right now. That's right. <laughs> Behind the ether, so I have no idea. I don't know. I got something that question. Yeah. All right. Oh. Um, oh. oh no! I was going to trickle back around to it once my mind starts churning. Oh, okay. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, favorite constellation. Um. Orion. Mm. All right. Respect. That's probably one of the constellations that I know. Yeah, yeah. It's like that in the Big Dipper, right? Yeah, you can, I was you could have said Vega. anything. I was going to say Vega, <laughs> but I don't think that's the constellation. I think it's the star in the constellation. So I'll have to stick with Orion on this for 20 points. Nice. 20, <laughs> perfect. This one comes from a member of the Todd Squad, at Jordan Boyle. If you could be an insect, which one would you be and why? I think I would be a praying mantis because I got to say the gear alone is very daunting. I saw a, a yes. baby praying mantis yesterday. And I just thought like what other insect is not going to be totally intimidated by this, right? You probably mm-hmm. don't even have to do a lot of killing. You can just show up with the big, big, you know. So I yeah, the pincher cool. arms are, they're so intimidating. They're very intimidating with the eyes and the whole head. They're very majestic. Yeah, they yeah they can, cool I think they can eat like full birds and stuff. They've, they've got some, they're there's some there's videos yeah, out there. I think, yes, I think I saw one eat a lizard on a video. One. Yes. Amazing. It was pretty intense. That's pretty gnarly. Um, yeah. So yeah. speaking of um, the outdoors, three things you'd want if you were stranded in the forest. Hopefully you don't encounter any uh, praying mantises out there. Gosh, <laughs> this, this is going to expose my lack of survivor skills. Uh, <laughs> water for sure. Water seems like a no brainer. Uh, I suppose I would need a knife. Um, and probably some Molly. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, never ending for it. Uh, oh gosh, knife, water, uh, a pillow. Yes. Ooh. I'm surprised yeah, you, you went with, um, <laughs> you went with knife, you went with knife over gun. Well, I would have mm. gun and ammo, right? Cause I'd have to have the, use that. Uh, in my yeah. I don't know. It, it, you would get one, you'd be getting one magazine clip. 
So use well, it then wisely. I, then I would choose gone absolutely because, like, what am I going to stab mantises? You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, I'm not on a bear. If, if I can't even figure out what to do survival wise, it's definitely not going to help me out with a big knife. <laughs> it just sounded like the survival thing to do. It, it, it was. I would but have I'll, said the same I'll, thing. I'll definitely replace a gun and I would choose an AK 47. I'm not a good shot. Mm. No, that's yes. cool. <laughs> All right. So do you say data or data? Data. Mm. I'm gonna I, I interchange it for whatever data reason. Data. Yeah, I say it both ways. It depends on in what context I'm using it. Yeah, I think it depends. It depends. Yeah, I mean, look at the data. I think maybe uh, uh, data is maybe what is that a little bit more sophisticated, or is that just maybe east? If I'm back east, I say data. See, I sound more. I feel more sophisticated when I say data. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's all about perspective, I guess. <laughs> Well, the data suggests. Yeah, there you go. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so rolling up, wrapping it up with Will Ferrell or Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I have another, I'm going to throw another just off the wall question here. here. Do psychics ever go to psychics? And if so, how do they feel afterwards? Do they just go there and like critique them? No. They absolutely go for, well, it's tough to tell, right? I've been online with this now. So there's a lot of people that are saying that they're psychics and they're mediums. And, you know, a lot of them have come out of the woodwork. But uh, I did a, a reading fair the other day and frequently do an exchange with another psychic. I think some people might have an aversion to it. But the idea is you're getting somebody else's eyes on you, right? And they're saying, hey, here's what I see, what's going on. And then uh, depending on your nature, you have to have a high level of discernment. Hey, maybe this person's on or not, but ultimately it depends on, I guess, who you're talking to, but they, they, they don't necessarily do it to critique, but like anything else, you're absolutely going to go to you afterwards. You're going to question yeah. and say, ah, she didn't know she was wrong or I'm better at her than that. You know what I mean? Everyone has, right. <laughs> same with yeah. podcasts, right? people listening yeah. to a Rogan, Joe's killing it. Oh, I could do better than him. You know what I mean? And then you get out and try it and it's like, oh, this is taking a little bit more work than I thought. You know what I mean? No, I, I think we've done it already. Right. You're there. Uh, you guys have arrived. <laughs> Joe Rogan-esque. Yes. <laughs> okay. Time for the... That wraps up Prod Todd. Yes. And the next one is called... What if Todd was one of us? All right. So here's a little segment that we give you a scenario that one of us or a listener has been through and we want to know, you know, what, what would Todd have done in this situation? So I'll read it for you here. I had to ship a package the other day. And as I was walking up to the post office, I realized I left my phone in my car. Okay. So as I realized this and was ready to head back to my car, the lady in front of me began to hold the door open for me. So I made eye contact with her smiled. And then I just turned around, go get my phone. What should I have done, Todd? Should I have just been without my phone and taken the light, lady's kind gesture? What would you have done? I think you made the right choice. This is a very Larry David-esque question. It's like, uh, I, uh, I, uh, me personally, what I would have done is I probably would have told her and ex over-explained it because I got a little Larry David in me and would have said, hey, I, I see you're holding the door open, but I don't need you to hold it anymore. But if you want to wait five minutes, I got to get my phone and you can keep holding the door and I'll be right back. You know what? I think we probably made the right choice. She'll get over it. See, and like in this situation, I I have, I guess, social 
awkwardness, yeah. I would have probably <laughs> just went back to my car and drove off. I wouldn't even ship the pack. <laughs> I would have just went back home. I'll, I'll try it again tomorrow. Like right. this, this well, is ruining me. A lot of it's eye contact. A lot of it is if you yeah. see the other person's eyes and you see their face, you decide in that moment, is she worth it or not? And you might see that look. You might see she, maybe she's a sorry to the name, but maybe she's a Karen. And you're thinking, you know what? I think she can, yeah. you, know, you know, she can take one for the team today. Yeah, she'll, yeah. Post on, she'll post it on Facebook later. She'll so. post it. I can't believe it. I opened the door and he left. He didn't even tell me he left his phone in the car. Yeah. She's going to follow you to your car on Facebook Live. Just exactly. Like screaming at you. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you. Thanks for uh, letting you know what you would have done if you of were course. one of us. That brings us to the next one. That's odd, Todd. Yeah, so that's odd, Todd. We, we want to know. We've asked you to prepare two truths and one lie. Um, we want to hear them and try to decipher them, see which one is the lie. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll do this. So I slam dunk a basketball in a high school basketball game. And then the other one is that uh, I... Uh, I was at a small uh, motel in a small hotel in Fresno, California with my mom. And we spent an hour uh, with Michael Jordan talking to Michael Jordan. Okay. I've ran a six minute, uh, I've ran a sub six mile before. Sub six mile. Yeah. 559. You look like you're in pretty good shape. Mm. Uh, Okay. So he's, Ran a sub six mile. He's hung out with Michael Jordan for an hour. And for an hour. For an hour. Just an hour. Just an hour. Too. Maybe it could have been the minor detail they got us on there. Um, and the first one was slam dunk the uh, basketball in high school. Basketball in high school. Yeah. High school game. High school game. Wild. Okay, let's. Brad, what do you think? What are, what I don't know. He he seems fast. I I I feel like he can run. It's like you saying you saying Bolt. Uh, what do we have? <laughs> See the Michael Jordan, I believe. Um, right, because yeah. I mean, he sounds like he's hung out with you know several NBA stars yeah. before. Has him on speed uh, dial. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm gonna say you didn't hit a growth spurt in high school, and you, I don't think you could mm. dunk in high school. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm sorry that I said that, but that's that's what you get. <laughs> I'm gonna back that up too. I mean, I haven't seen it. I'm sure it happens in high school games, but yeah. I've never seen it. I know. I, I think would, LeBron James used to do it. Did he really? Wow. Okay, yeah. so we're locking in that the lie is the slam dunk in high school, and that is correct. Yes. Oh, so you so you have talked to Michael Jordan. It was random. So Michael Jordan, uh, best friend uh, during uh, the season or during his, his days in Chicago was this guy, uh, Rod, oh God, I just blank on his name, Rod Higgins. And so Rod Higgins had a basketball camp, went to Fresno State. And MJ, as a favor to him, would do his camp once a year. And so we had just moved there and we were staying at, we moved around a lot when I was younger. We were staying at a hotel and we get there and my mom is, you know, there's somebody's holding the door for my mom and it turns out it's, it's Michael Jordan. And this was like in the, That's insane. it was insane. So like my father drove home, my father was totally into celebrities and all that sort of thing. A huge basketball fan. He drove home yeah. from work 
and came out to the pool. We sort of mobbed him for a period of time, and it was it was fun. And he was very chill. He was very cool. We just lounged around the pool and, and rapped with him for like an hour. It was really cool, pretty cool experience. Oh my gosh! Did did you think about stealing his shoes? God, I only wish. <laughs> did you <laughs> watch the? Uh, have you watched the MJ documentary on uh, Netflix? I did. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah, it's 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 a great watch. I recommend it. Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was phenomenal. You know, th- there's a ball boy that, uh, you know, his infamous flu game that he had in Utah. Yes. So a ball boy had those shoes from that game in his garage that he didn't wear like a jackass like I did. And he turned <laughs> around and sold them. I want to say for a quarter of a million dollars they sold for it. Yeah. Sold, you know. And they had they had the flu as well. So Right. Like, yes. That's ir- irresponsible, but it is so, what it is. That's, totally. that's good money. So when when was this sub six mile ran? Was that recently? This was not, this was the show. Before, this was before I hurt my knee, and this was on a track. So it was it was controlled environment to a degree. I live up in the mountains, uh, and it was uh, basically around a track uh, at the local high school. And so since then, I'm not quite you know I'm trying to learn how to run slower. That was at the peak, and it was, I, basically I was a basketball player, and I decided, hey, I should stop playing hoops, too dangerous, and I started distance running. And so I got totally into it, and not knowing anything about it, took on way too many miles too fast and ended up hurting my ACL. So it's like, Dang. yeah, it's a bummer. So I still run, but just now not quite as fast. Yeah, probably still faster than faster than me for sure. Yeah, well, I hate it. I hate it. I mean, I play basketball. Running was always a punishment, so I couldn't stand yes, it. Yes, it was. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it wasn't until, gosh, I turned 40 where it was like up in the mountains, trail running, all of a sudden something clicked and said, oh, wow, this is a lot of fun. Maybe it was all the stress, I think, of living with my mom, taking care of her, the family, all the stuff that was going on. Yeah. I needed some sort of outlet in the running. Yeah. The running was definitely it. It's definitely an escape, especially in the in the yeah. trails. You're seeing, you're not running in like, the city right totally. yeah, scenic, it's nice yeah 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 you get that endorphin that totally. endorphin high that runners get too i mean that's it's i true. ran track in high school but it's uh i i only ran the 400 meter that was the most right. the most i would run yeah. Any, anything longer than that was very long distance for me so nice with all that being said we're going to go to one of our final segments in todd we trust All right, so to round out the episode, we'd like to ask you, Todd, for one piece of advice that you would like to leave the listeners with, a little nugget of wisdom. You've dropped several of them already, so what's what's one thing uh, you'd love to leave the listeners with? I guess with the idea that, uh, you know, try to, try to pay attention to um, your emotional well-being. I said that how you feel about yourself it's probably more important than anything else than you'll ever can contemplate. Because if you can feel good about yourself and connect to your own emotions, there's this concept called self-empathy and be compassionate towards yourself. Sounds cheesy or whatever, but it really gives you the ability to be able to uh, be okay with whatever's going on with you, to experience the emotions that you got, connect to them, and there's strength and power in it. I know from a male point of view, it doesn't necessarily, you know, there's not a whole lot of permission for it, but I think if you can connect to your own emotions, give yourself time to be able to be uh, careful and considerate of it, I think it makes your life a lot easier. And it does require a little bit of work. I mean, when I first entertained the idea that it wasn't something I really thought about, and it's made a huge difference, a huge difference. So I hope that helps. 
And you guys are, you know what? Phenomenal podcast. I do listen. I've been curious to, you know, I haven't heard yours yet because you guys are just getting started or whatever, but I've heard a yeah. lot of different ones. Uh, broadcasting goes in my family. My brother was a sports broadcaster in Seattle for 25 or 30 years almost. And so oh, I'm wow. familiar with it. And I think your show is great. I think you guys have done an excellent job. Even getting I really great. appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, really awesome. I mean, the, the bumpers, the whole nine. You guys are doing it. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> it's time to give a nod to Todd. All right. Yes, we've had we've had a um, a great time speaking with you. We really appreciate you coming on, um, taking some time out of your day to tell us tell us about everything and give us an insight into what it's like to be an intuitive advisor something that honestly this is the first time i've ever heard of right so right. It, it was it was cool to hear about that um i want to recommend everybody give a give todd a follow on instagram at todd grosby you can follow us on instagram at the toddcast pod subscribe to the toddcast wherever you can find podcasts and drop a five-star review if you're a todd or know any todds out there slide into our dms or email us at the toddcast pod at gmail.com Todd, any other plugs you have, a website or anything? Uh, uh, just, again, uh, grosby.com or on Facebook, for those that are on Facebook. Uh, okay. Also, Todd Grosby, just my name. Everything's on social media is at Todd Grosby. Awesome. Perfect. Sounds good. Well, check it out, everybody. And with that being said, I am Michael. I'm Brad. And he's Todd. <laughs>